Welcome to Transformed by Grace, an in-depth Bible study of God's Word, presented by the Berean Bible Society. Join us each time on this station as Pastor Kevin brings the transforming message of God's grace revealed through the Holy Scriptures. see the stars and learn from what is seen through telescopes and satellites today. The number, the distance, the power of the stars is just incredible. Astronomers say if we could, if we would count one star per second, it would take 2,500 years to just count the stars in the Milky Way galaxy. And there are billions more galaxies than just the Milky Way. If we were to hold out a dime at arm's length, the coin would block out 15 million stars from your view in this galaxy, if your eyes could see with that power. If the Earth was the size of a grape, in proportion, the sun would be the size of a beach ball and would be 163 yards away, a football field and a half. The largest planet in our solar system, Jupiter, would be about the size of a grapefruit, and it would be about five blocks up the road. In this scaled-down universe, the nearest star would be 24,000 miles away. Someone has pictured the distance from the stars like this. Say it cost a penny to ride 1,000 miles. A trip to the moon would cost $2.38. A trip to the sun would cost $930. A trip to the nearest star would cost $260 million. And the stars are massive. Depending on which star, you can fit millions or billions or quadrillions of Earths inside of them. One star named Betelgeuse is twice the size of the Earth's orbit around the sun. You can fit 262 trillion Earths inside of it. And there's bigger stars than this. There's, that's just one star among trillions upon trillions. And the power released in stars is staggering. For example, the sun releases more energy in one second than a billion major cities on the earth, if there were a billion, would produce in a year. And that's just released in one second. The sun is mid-sized. There are gazillions of stars bigger than the sun. It isn't anywhere near as big as a red supergiant star named Antares. 50 million of our suns would fit inside of Antares. Think of the energy that star releases in one second. And then you think of them collectively. There's over 200 billion in our galaxy. There's hundreds of billions of stars in each of the billions of galaxies. And yet the Bible describes the creation of all of that energy, all of that power, all of that mass in Genesis 1.16 with the single phrase, He made the stars also. And I love that. It, like, it's no big deal. It was simple. Piece of cake. Scripture states things simply for God because they are simple for Him. God is all-powerful. The energy of all the stars is still an immeasurably small token of His divine energy and power. Isaiah 40, verses 22 to 24 say, It is He 
that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers, that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain, and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in, that bringeth the princes to nothing, and maketh the judges of the earth as vanity. Yea, they shall not be planted, planted. yea, they shall not be sown, yea, their stock shall not take root in the earth, and he shall also blow upon them, and they shall wither, and the whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. In light of verse 21, Isaiah in verse 22 speaks of the one Israel should have known about, should have heard of, and understood. And it is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. Sitteth here refers to God sitting as sovereign and Lord and King, as he makes the circle of the earth his throne. Circle is applicable to the spherical form of the earth, and this was way before man understood that the earth was round. God's seated position speaks of how he upholds and maintains his creation on a continual basis, and it speaks to how he's in control, how he is over it all and greater than it all. And God is so exalted that as he looks down from on high, from his elevated station, all the inhabitants of the world appear to him as diminutive and little as insects, as grasshoppers. From his exalted position, what is seen is that we are really small and very weak, and that we are plentiful, busy, moving, a multitude spread over the vast circle of the earth beneath him. We need to see ourselves as God sees us, and we need to see God as He truly is. God wants us to live in light of our size and stature and strength in relation to Him, because oftentimes we live as if we are big with a little God who we control, because our pride tricks us into thinking we're much bigger, much stronger, and much more in control than we really are. Instead, God wants us to live humbly before Him, knowing that we are very small and very weak with a massive and infinite, all-powerful God who loves us and wants us to trust Him. Verse 22 continues and says that God stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. Referring to the heavens and the universe above, it is stretched way out, spread far, far out. This is even now more striking than it was in the times of Isaiah. The discoveries about space and the fathomless size of the universe that we learn through powerful telescopes, space telescopes, probes, and satellites, they have given beauty and power to these statements. The heavens truly are stretched out and spread out. They call it the known universe because it's farther than we know. Mankind will never find the end of it. Its size, though, isn't primarily to make a statement about us, although it does. It's primarily to make a statement about God. The prophet says that God spreadeth them out as a tent. A tent is made for living in. And the idea is that the heavens are extended like a tent in order to furnish a dwelling place for God as a tent to dwell in, verse 22 says. And what this statement is telling us is that the reason the universe is so vast and infinite is that it is suited to and representative of the God who created it and of the kind of space necessary for Him to dwell in it as a tent. So in other words, the unbelievably huge universe 
represents and demonstrates to us how infinitely huge, how indescribably immense, how massive, vast, and gigantic God is. How big the God who created it is. You often hear scientists say that the universe is an oversized habitation for us to live in. If the universe was created just for us to dwell in, it is too huge for us. But as we see here, the universe's primary purpose is to display the awesomeness and majesty of God. It is to reveal the infinite size, power, and glory of the God who created it. And then we realize that the universe is just the right size. It is perfect. And with each new discovery and each headline that you hear of that says the universe is bigger than we thought it was, we should praise God and not be surprised. And those kind of things should remind us each time we hear it that God is even bigger than I thought he was. And this God, Isaiah says in verse 23, bringeth princes to nothing. God is in control and over all human leaders. He removes them and sets them up according to his will. Daniel 2.21 says, He changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and sets up kings. No matter how great their power, their wealth, and their popularity, by God's hand they are reduced to nothing before him, and their power is as nothing in comparison to him. There is no comparison with the majesty of God, with that of princes and rulers. He, is, he far excels all, is far above all, and is over all. And there is nothing so high and inaccessible in the world that he cannot bring it to nothing. Proud rulers who are opposed to God constitute zero resistance to the execution of God's purposes. We can always rest in God, no matter how dire or fearful situations become in this world, because we know He is over all, He's in control, and He is always carrying out His will. Verses 25 to 26 read, To whom then will ye liken me? Or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things, that bringeth out their hosts by number? He calleth them all by names by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, not one faileth. With the majesty and glory of God having been clearly set forth, the Holy One says this next statement. God asks a question, and he can ask this question, because of the truth of his unspeakable power and glory, and that he is absolutely exalted above all and everything, this statement in question cannot be challenged. As the Holy One, He is then, it says, it means that He's set apart, that He is set apart unto Himself and greater than all. He is always the greatest thing in existence. God Himself asks, To whom then will ye liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal? There is no one to compare to Him. God has no equal, He has no competition. He has no rivals. He is self-existent, self-sufficient, and self-powered. He is timeless, ageless, and changeless. He is God Almighty, and He is greater than all. And then in verse 26, mankind is told to look up, direct our eyes toward the heaven, and contemplate the stars. 
and to behold who hath created these things. The stars are evidence of God and His creative power and handiwork, and He is greater than the stars. The number, the order, the greatness, and the harmony of the heavenly bodies demonstrate the truth of the incomparable God and His infinite greatness and wisdom. This phrase, bringeth out their host by number, has military meaning behind it. It literally speaks about how God marches out the army of stars upon the plain of heaven as one leads out his army upon the field of battle. The number of all the, pow- all the stars surpasses all man's power of computation. There are billions of galaxies containing trillions of stars, and God is said to lead them all forth as a vast army under a mighty leader, and they are arrayed for us to see. They are not out of place. They are arranged in infinite wisdom. They all observe the proper order and the proper times. And God is intimately acquainted with all His stars. Though their numbers are so immense, yet in His almighty power, He knows each star individually. God has given them their own unique attributes and he knows each of them and their distinguishing characteristics and he has given each star a name unique to each one. Now I don't know about you but I have trouble remembering people's names from day to day but God knows the names of trillions upon trillions of stars and this is also bad news for guys because No matter how romantic it might be, buying and registering a name of a star for your girl is not going to change its name. They're already named by God. We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to BereanBibleSociety.org. Now That I Believe is a 40-page booklet written by Pastor Ricky Kurth. In this booklet, Pastor Kurth guides the newcomer to the faith through the various obstacles that man and Satan put in the way of believers to cause them to stumble. Many wonderful things have happened to you in the spiritual realm now that you have believed. It is our prayer that this booklet will help you make spiritual realities actual in your life. To order your copy, contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750 or visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine, the Berean Searchlight, call 262-255-4750 or subscribe online at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. Thank you again for your generous gifts. And now, back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin. God knows His stars. He calls them all by name, by the greatness of His might. It is His single and unassisted power that conducts them. His hand alone sustains them. And by His strong power, not one fails, it says here. He holds them. He knows their number 
and he calls them each by name. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. When you know God, and you learn, and you know how great He is, it produces a healthy fear, a proper respect for Him. It changes how we talk to Him or about Him and how we view life. It produces a humble submission to His will in the wisdom of His Word. When you see the greatness of God, then everything else falls into place, and you see everything else in life in its proper perspective. Verses 12 through 20 in Isaiah 40 teach us that God is greater than anything on earth. Verses 21 to 26 teach us that God is greater than anything in heaven. We learn that He is greater than the nations. We learn that He is greater than any ruler. Nothing is equal to God. Nothing is greater than God and that He is in control, always. And if you ever wonder if God really cares about you personally, then look up and remember that He knows the name and every single detail of every star. Then know that He knows your name and every single thing about you, every single detail of your life, and you are of more worth and more value to him than all the stars put together. Isaiah 40, 27 to 28 says, Why sayest thou, Jacob, and speakest, O Israel? My way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. The chapter takes a turn after extolling the greatness of God. It, it addresses the mistaken thought process of mankind that people still think today that our ways are hidden from God and that God doesn't care what we're going through or what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. Those in Israel thought that God had lost sight of them, that He didn't know or see or notice them, and that He was not familiar with their ways and that He did not care about their cause and that he just simply passed over without noticing them. Isaiah's question, Isaiah questions this thought process and asks them, why are you saying this? Israel had lost their confidence in God and felt that God had neglected them. So the prophet sets forth this amazing description of the faithfulness and power of God. The question is answered with another question, and he says, Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, that he fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. In light of God, who God is, God never forgets us. God never could. He is never ignorant of our condition. He is the everlasting, unchangeable God, the Lord, creator, and sustainer of all things. He is God eternally the same, never varying, always faithful, always all-powerful, always God, always all-knowing. His power never wavers. He never grows faint or weak as man does, nor does he become weary like man does. God is never too weak or too weary or too busy. He is never faint or weary with having the countless wants and needs of people ever before him. All of us have pet peeves in life, something that just kind of gets under your skin. And these are a few for me. 
the, the kind of thinking that says that you don't want to bother God with something. Or thinking that He's too busy to be concerned about my little problems. Or believing that God is only concerned about certain things in my life. Just the spiritual things, not the physical. All these convey a very, very poor understanding and weak view of God. God is never busy. God is never weary. God is never bothered. And everything you bring to God is little, even when they are big things. Because God is so huge, everything is little to Him. And He is big enough to handle any and all of our problems. And He knows and He cares about every single thing in our lives, whether they are physical or spiritual issues. As it says here, there is no searching of His understanding. So to say that God doesn't know or doesn't care or isn't interested about something, it says there's no searching of His understanding. So you can't say that. Our cause, what we go through, cannot escape His notice. It is actually impossible. The God who made all things is infinitely wise. God whose knowledge and wisdom surpasses human understanding is intimately acquainted with all of our needs. Every single one. Nothing could be farther from the truth, Isaiah is showing here, that our ways are hidden from the Lord or that our cause goes unnoticed by Him. It is absurd to think that He cares less for us than for the stars which He guides so unerringly and so carefully. He loves you and I more than the stars. Yes, God cares about your life. He cares deeply about everything that you're going through. And this also makes us realize that as His understanding is so vast, we should not expect to be able to always comprehend the reason He does what He does. Instead, we should expect that there is and there will be much that is mysterious and unsearchable with what God does and why He does it on this side of glory. And Ecclesiastes 3.11 even says this, No man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. The reasons for what God does are often hidden from us, but our comfort is found in the absolute assurance that God is infinitely wise and that He who rules over the universe absolutely knows what is best, and He cannot and does not ever make a mistake. Isaiah 40, verses 29 to 31 says, He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, He increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Verse 29 shows us that not only does God not faint or grow weary, He gives power to those who do faint. And to them that have no strength in themselves, He gives and increases strength. Verse 30 shows you how even the most vigorous, the young men, those in whom we expect strength, they become weary, worn, 
out and get fatigued and exhausted. Just watch an NFL football game, and these world-class athletes, after just a few plays, are huffing and puffing, and they often have to run off the field to take a break for a few downs. Though even the young and the strong become tired and fall, God never does. The power of God is inexhaustible. And so if we try to live in our strength, in our power, which fails, we'll fall, we'll faint, we'll become weary, exhausted, we'll stumble, and we're going to struggle. But, verse 31 says, They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. The God just described to us here, this huge God out of His unlimited power strengthens us in His care for us. The Hebrew word for wait here means to hope, trust, and expect. It means that the people of God in their relationship with God who trust and hope in God become strong in faith in life, able to contend with the daily challenges of life, able to have the strength to serve and live for God in His glory by His strength. And when believers wait and hope and trust in the Lord, God renews our strength. Renew here means to exchange. We exchange our failing strength and weakness for His unfailing power. It's the same as what the Lord told the Apostle Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul then says, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches in necessities, for when I am weak, then am I strong. Wait here does not suggest that we just sit around and wait and do absolutely nothing. Wait is, is speaking about an active hope and trust. We keep waiting. We keep placing our trust in God, and we keep moving forward, looking to Him by faith. We keep following Him. We keep serving Him. We keep living for Him. We keep praying. We keep growing in His Word. And as we wait and hope and trust in the Lord, we then feel like we're swept up on the wings of eagles, and we are lifted and carried by the strong hand of the true and the living God over all. And in His strength, we will run and not be weary and walk through anything in life and not faint. God Almighty promises to hold us up and carry us through life in all of its varied circumstances as we turn to Him and we wait and trust in Him. And we are held and we are strengthened by this massive, majestic, almighty God described for us here the one who cares so deeply for us and he wants us to turn to him for strength in life he wants us to wait on him and trust in him and hope in him and as we do so we are assured of his strength when you think of mounting up with wings as eagles and soaring with wings as eagles it reminds us how an eagle it flies high above this world And so what it represents and speaks to us of is communion with God, nearness to God, nearness to His heart. And nearness to God is where we have strength and power in life and is where we soar. 
Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.